This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. If you're a fan of NPR, listening to our podcasts and live stream has never been easier. Just search for accessmedia.nz on the App Store or Google Play and download the app with the Kiwi Fruit logo. Once you've got it, pick Manawatu People's Radio from the list of stations and go find your new favourite show. to Friend of Maryland. My name is Kat Pauze, and this is a fat-friendly space. Today on Friend of Maryland, I share some cool new fat initiatives that you can be a part of. I talk with Talia Miller about her art and graphic design work, And I spotlight a piece from my blog in a throwback Thursday on being an activist and having doubt. I'm kicking off our time together today by sharing with you two new fat initiatives that you might want to be a part of. The first is about fat characters in books. So there's a user on Twitter, her name, their name is Alice, and the handle is at that fat book gal. So that fat book gal is their Twitter username. And they are compiling a Google sheet of any books that they can find, um, fiction books, I'm assuming, with fat main characters. Um, so if you've got a book that you like and you want to make sure that it gets on that list, reach out and contact Alice. And again, Alice's Twitter username is that fat book gal. Um, and Alice has promised that once the sheet is at a stage that they feel is kind of complete or ready to be shared, that they'll do so. And I'll definitely make sure to get that shared across my networks as well, because I'm super excited that someone has compiled it. The other cool um, initiative happening in the fatosphere at the moment is from the Fat Craft Zine. So I've talked about the Fat fat Craft Zine before, and I've actually shared some of the work from that zine in the blog spotlight at the end of some um, older episodes. So they are... um, the Fat Craft Zine, first and foremost, it's a it's a small zine, and all of the profits from the zine go to No Lose, so obviously supporting a really important fat queer organization. They are currently accepting um, submissions for their third volume, and the uh, theme of the third volume is Death and the Divine. And basically, like, what it works is that, like, you reach out to them with your submission or what you think you might want to do, um, and then they'll let you know, like, they'll invite you to submit a full thing, or they'll give you feedback on what you do submit. Anyway, so they're now currently accepting applications um, for people who'd like their work to be in the third volume of the Fat Craft Zine. And again, that theme is Death and the Divine. If you want to ask them some questions, their Twitter username is at Fat Craft Zine. So again, that's Fat Craft Zine if you want to be included.
Joining me today is Talia Miller, a graphic designer, artist, and aspiring art teacher. Talia, thank you so much for coming on Friend of Maryland. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So talk to me about your your work. Like you're an artist, you're a graphic designer. Like I know you're kind of going in a, a different direction right now in terms of the going into teaching, but talk to me about your, your art in general. Yeah. Um, so I have been an artist for literally as long as I can remember. Um, it's really ingrained in my family. Um, and it's always been my form of expression. You know, some people are really into music or writing. And while I do enjoy creative writing and that kind of thing, art and words have always been tied together for me. Um, and really I started exploring art as an exploration of identity, um, probably 10 ish years ago, you know, I had just graduated high school, you know, I'm becoming my own person and, you know, exploring all of that. (laughs) Um, and I started exploring what it means to make art for myself and not for someone else. Um, And so I started um, exploring, you know, living in a fat body, um, also working on like exploring disability in a fat body and how that plays into my artwork. Um, So a lot of my artwork has always been centered around bodies um, or skeletal features, you know, bones, spines, joints, that kind of stuff. Um, Because I have severe arthritis and fibromyalgia and, you know, a couple chronic illnesses that affect the way my joints work and the way my body works. And so art has always naturally played into those things. And like, what kind of, uh, I'm not going to use the right words, Talia, I'm sorry. (laughs) What kind of mediums like are, you know, were you drawing, painting, mosaic, sculpting, like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, definitely. Um, so my mediums have shifted, uh, throughout my art career. So I started out a really heavily, like heavily focused in painting and acrylic. Um, and so acrylic medium, you know, was my thing. I did a lot of very, very like finely detailed paintings. Um, at that point I was doing a lot of like spine paintings and, um, bone paintings. So they were these very detailed, very like hyper-realistic paintings of bones. Um, but I actually developed essential tremors in my hands that made doing detailed artwork really hard. Um, so I went through a process sort of like an artistic crisis of like, how the F am I going to do this? (laughs) You know? And so I took a break, um, from making things and just sort of existed and then started diving back into artwork, um, in a digital platform, um, which is really intimidating as an artist. (laughs) It was something that was very hard for me to pick up because, I had learned, I had been, you know, learning for the last 20 years how to draw, how a pencil feels when it pulls against the grain of paper, how a brush feels when it pulls against canvas or against um, wet paint or dry paint, or, you know, I learned all these things. And all of a sudden I'm, you know, using a plastic pencil tip on a piece of glass that has no responsive no responsiveness to, you know, your medium and your uh, piece that you're working on. (laughs) 
Um, and so it was a very jarring process for me. Um, but ultimately I figured out how to use, you know, the digital platform to my advantage. It's still something I'm learning how to use. I'm always learning, you know, how to use new programs in there, but it made it so I could streamline my lines and take out some of the jitteriness of my hand, you know, in my artwork while still doing these really, uh, detailed and playful pieces on bodies and that kind of thing. And I mean, did you find, like, I, I, I so much appreciate how, like, kind of you got into the art largely like for your own kind of self-exploration and understanding yourself better and stuff. Like, have you found that the way that you like think about and the relationship that you have to your body has in fact changed as you've explored it more through art, both in a, like the physical painting medium and, and also in the more virtual graphic design as well? Yeah. I would say that ultimately like, Honestly, like to be very blunt, my disabilities have made me look at art differently Um, and not in a bad way, but more in a way where it's helped me break down this idea of what is good art and what is like bad art, because everyone has these preconceived notions of like good art has to be, you know, this pretty, like realistic, you know, has to be, you know, European centric has to be, you know, all of these things. when really like that is sort of the antithesis of art, Um, you know? And so by helping me, like my disabilities have helped me break down these ideas that I had around what good art is and just to be making art instead, making art is art, (laughs) you know, it's, that's what it is. Um, And so it's been really helpful to, sort of look at that in a new way. And it's actually got me into painting again, because I've sort of come full circle of, oh my God, I can't make good art anymore to, oh my God, wait, I'm just making art. (laughs) Um, And so it's made me learn to appreciate, you know, the way my hand responds to things. It has shifted my um, style pretty drastically. Um, I went from, like I said, a very hyper-realistic detailed artist um now to stuff that's more abstract but that abstractness ultimately plays into like my shaky hands in a way that I find pleasing and I don't have to be like oh but it's not good art it's just art (laughs) so yeah and do you imagine um all of that is then going to impact as you have moved into this newer space, which was you're currently training to be an art teacher. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. And I mean, how do you think all of that's going to then, you know, kind of impact into the, into that new kind of space with your art? Yeah. So this process has actually been super interesting for me because it has taken me on this journey of having such strict and narrow ideas of what art could be to these very broad, more, I would say, how do I, how do I explain it? They are less about this idea of making good art and more about the process of making art. And the process is 
more about, you know, being creative, being introspective, um, observing, you know, all of these habits that you do to be a good artist also help you be a good human. (laughs) And that's something I'm able or hopefully am able to implement in my classroom. Um, It's helped it so that way, you know, students don't have to think that they're good artists, but they can still be artistic. You know, I, I want them to be artistic and creative and playful and be, you know, inquisitive and look at things through this really beautiful lens of like, hey, sometimes things won't work out, um, but I'm going to do my best to work with what I can. And ultimately, I hope that these creative processes and looking at art through this lens of, you know, development and introspection and, you know, personality and personalization um, ultimately helps make, you know, students believe in themselves and be like good little humans. (laughs) So, yeah. I definitely appreciate, like, you don't have to be a good artist to be artistic. Um, because I have no art, like artistic, creative talent. Like I sing that's (laughs) that, that, and I, and I sing really, really well. So it's like, it all went there and I, and I have nothing else, but I so enjoy like painting and coloring and like those, like, I really, really enjoy that. And I've taken, you know, adult classes in that kind of over the years Mm -hmm. and stuff. And I'm so awful. Um, but (laughs) you know, I enjoy (laughs) <laughs> I find ways to enjoy my awfulness and just being the kind of artistic gate out there. Talia, if there, if there are people that are keen to, um, to find out more about your art, maybe to engage with your art or to, to purchase things. If you sell uh, any of your art, yeah. how can they find you online? Yeah. Um, so I have a website. It's Talia Elaine. Um, dot com. Um, but you can also find me on any platforms on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, you know, at Talia Elaine as well. Um, so I hope people come say hello and, you know, check out my work. I hope they do too, Talia. And I really do appreciate you coming on the show today and sharing this bit about yourself. Thank you so much. Thank you. In the spotlight today is a throwback Thursday from my own blog, Friend of Marilyn. This piece was published on September 5th, 2012, and it's entitled On Doubt. The dictionary defines doubt as a verb, meaning to be uncertain. Do you ever experience doubt? Wonder if you might be wrong about something? Like many activists, I get a lot of negative feedback from people. Don't get me wrong, I get positive feedback too, but the negative voices are always louder and greater in number. And when I experience those voices in a cacophony, I sometimes cannot help but really listen to what they are saying and even begin to wonder if they are right. I begin to experience doubt. I wonder if I am really just fooling myself that it's okay to be fat. I wonder if I am delusional in my belief that being fat can be awesome and can be something to take pride in. 
I wonder if all the work I've done to read and synthesize the scholarly literature on the relationship between weight and health, on the philosophy of science, on the intersections of power and privilege at play and our understanding of body sizes, has failed to make me knowledgeable about these subjects. I wonder if maybe they are right. That doubt comes in, if only for a second. And then I snap out of it. And I remember that I do know what I'm talking about, that it isn't silly for me to fight for the rights and dignity of fat people. And I remember that I'm not alone in the doubt I may feel from time to time. I've experienced this kind of doubt before, even in other aspects of my life, like being a feminist. And I have friends who work as activists on other issues, such as race, ethnicity, disability, gender, sexual orientation, and they get it as well. We're told that we take offense to things that are harmless and insignificant. We're told that the language used to create the world around us doesn't matter as much as we think it does. We're told that we see things that aren't there. We're told time and time again that we create problems because of the way we experience the world. Because they want us to doubt ourselves. They want the world to remain just as it is, hostile to those who are different. And if they can get us to doubt what we know to be true, then that keeps the status quo safe for a little while longer. It allows them to check their priv- to keep their privilege unchecked and to keep their ignorance unexamined. There's this great Chris Rock bit, and this is not safe for work, where he says this, I had a cop pull me over the other day, scared me so bad, made me think I stole my own car. Get out of the car. Get out of the fucking car. You stole this car. I'm like, damn, maybe I did. Oh, Lord, I done stole a car. End quote. But you know what? He didn't. It was his car. And no matter how much or how bad someone may have wanted it to be true, it wasn't. And it's the same for me. No matter how bad some troll may want my beliefs about fat people to be the same as their hate-filled ones, they won't be. Because they may be able to cause me some doubt, but they'll never make me into a non-believer. End quote. Thanks for listening to another episode of Friend of Maryland. Friend of Maryland is brought to you by Manawatu People's Radio, triple nine AM. If you'd like to contact the show with questions, comments, concerns, or suggestions for topics or guests, you can email us at friendofmaryland at AOL.com. You can also find us on Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Closing the show is Wilson Phillips with Invincible.
support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate.